Hi, this is Leanne Eden, and you're listening to Radio Free Leader. Welcome to Radio Free Leader. I'm your host, David Burkis, best-selling author and recovering academic, and this is the show that tears down the wall between the ivory tower and the corner office. Each episode brings you an outstanding thinker to help you lead smarter by sharing insights from social science and practical applications for leadership, innovation, and strategy. Make sure you stay up to date with Radio Free Leader and get some great stuff we don't share on the show by joining our community. You can sign up on the show notes page for this episode at davidberkuscom slash 710. We'll even get you caught up with our Radio Free Leader Starter Kit, a collection of our most popular episodes sent right to your email inbox. Again, that's davidberkuscom slash 710 or text Radio Free to 33444. Today's episode features Leanne Eden. Leanne is the founder of a company I admire called Eden McCollum. They're a consulting firm you may or may not have heard of, but they're most notable for being a consulting firm with no consultants. You heard that right, actually. Eden McCollum uses a network model to build consultants out of the best teams of freelancers that are available for that client. It's an amazing organizational design, and it's part of what I call writing the org chart in pencil. And I profiled Eden McCollum and interviewed Leanne for my book, Under New Management. In fact, a longer version of this exact interview is one of the bonuses you get when you pre-order my book, Under New Management, that comes out a week from now. So if you want to find out more information about that, you can head over to davidberkuscom slash pre-order and check out some of the amazing other bonuses, including discussion guides and extended interviews with thought leaders and entrepreneurs, and even assigned book plates so you can upgrade your copy to an autograph copy. Again, that's davidberkuscom slash pre-order to check that out. Now let's get to our interview with Leanne Eden. So who are you and what do you do? Hi, I'm Leanne Eden. I'm a co-founder of Eden McCallum. We started the company in 2000. Uh, delighted to be celebrating our 15th birthday party quite soon. Um, and Eden McCallum is a, a really new model of a management consulting company where the, the crux of what the business is and what we do differently is all of our work is delivered through um, a pool of independent consultants. So we take the the best trained uh, consultants out of firms like McKinsey and Bain and BCG uh, and we craft them into teams to deliver work for our clients, and uh, they're absolutely delighted with with the outcome of it. And I, I should say, um, you have a little bit of a background in the traditional consulting firms that you're now sort of differentiating against, right? You kind of started working mm-hmm. for those. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about so your your background and also um, how you two part- met and partnered up and started this whole thing. Yep, can easily do that. Uh, I says right before starting Eden McCallum, I was at McKinsey in London, I was a consultant there, um, as was Dina McCallum, the co-founder of the business. We actually met uh, far too many years ago. We were at INSEAD together uh, as MBA students. Um, and after INSEAD, Dina went to join McKinsey in Toronto and then was in Frankfurt and ended up then back in London. After my MBA, I actually came to London and was working for Unilever for many years and doing European brand launches. Uh, and then decided to join McKinsey after that career. And so we reunited in London. Both actually worked together in the retail and consumer practice at McKinsey London. Um, I also ventured out somewhat into the pharmaceutical space. Dina had ventured out a bit and also to the financial services sector. Uh, And then just hit upon an idea about a a different way of doing consulting and a new business model that we both got really excited about um, and decided to found this firm. And I, I think the, um, I mean, it's so, it's interesting to me because a lot of what I've read and what attracted me to uh, write about the firm in, um, in Under New Management 
was the, the structure and the model that you sort of outlined. And I want to kind of dig into how that sort of works with the pool and all of those sort of things. For those that are sort of unfamiliar with it or haven't read the, the tons of articles that profile how kind of awesome the model is and are unfamiliar with it, let's talk a little bit about how it's structured. There, there are some full-time people um, that work for the firm, but they're not sort of the traditional career consultants that you would think about. So let's, let's talk a bit about how you've structured the model to, to do that, to use a network model but ensure quality control. And so, so Eden McCallum as a firm, um, there are about 40 or 45 people who are permanent members of staff. They're employees, and they are across. We have offices in London and Amsterdam and Zurich. Um, and they are all focused either on what we call client development, and that's sort of having the long-term relationships with clients and discussing their business issues with them and structuring projects to resolve them, or they're focused on what we call consultant development, and that is about both attracting and screening, but then also staffing and retaining great consulting talent and um, crafting the teams that we need to deliver our work. Uh, and then, of course, for every company, we also have an operations team which has to do all the things like finance, legal, and HR, and, and systems just to make the engine run. Um, but predominantly, the two big teams are either consultant development or um, client development. And within that, then, we have consultants um, who have all come from firms, like I said, McKinsey or Bain or BCG or other top sort of smaller boutique firms that might have a really interesting approach or expertise or sex sector um, expertise that we work with and we're working on multiple projects a year with them. Um, and I think over the years we have worked with over 1,500 clients. Uh, they tend to be a lot of the, well, in the UK, they're the Fortune uh, 100, uh, some of the Fortune 500, some of the global Fortune um, 500, and clearly some of the largest uh Dutch and sort of Swiss and German companies that we also serve. Hmm. And there's, so there's the, the 45 employees, there's that kind of core of, there's kind of another concentric ring of, of people inside the network that might be tapped from time to time, isn't there? Exactly. So those are, I would say, kind of the core people that we're turning to who have both enormously high caliber and also um, sector and sort of functional expertise. It fits a huge amount of the work that we do all the time. And so there's a lot of... Uh, work that we do with that group and know them really, really well. And there's a lot of longevity there that people that we have been working with three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, probably up to 15 years for some. Um, and the next kind of, we always think of these consecutive circles. The next one out are people who we think are equally fantastic in terms of caliber, but either in geography or focused on a sector or might have a functional expertise where we're currently not doing a huge amount of work. Maybe it's one project a year we'd have for them. Um, and again, that next ring out is probably another 1,500 consultants. Um, and then I think there's an even further ring out when you get to probably another 3,000, which are um, either senior consultants. Often, it's actually it's more of an expert network. Um, one of the things in our business that we work with many clients and many senior executives, and actually from that have created our own expert network who can advise other clients um, and other teams on issues. Hmm. And so um, when, I, you know, one of these Fortune 500 companies or Fortune 100 companies comes in, they want to, they have a problem. You've got sort of the right consultants. I, I actually found this really interesting. I remember when we were talking for the book that there was this sort of idea that we would create a pool and you could, wouldn't it be great if you could kind of pick your individual team? But over time, what sort of happened is that you kind of build a team for them based on your knowledge of all of these different sort of people. But how, how do those teams form when, when it comes time to match them to a specific client project? Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, it actually almost goes right back to the conversation that we're having with the client is because we're having the talking to them about, well, what is the issue? 
And let's um, really challenge on what we think the, the core of those issues are and what do you need to crack to do it and how you should do it. And one of the things that you find after many years is that um, how every client is going to crack an issue and what sort of an answer is going to work well for them is different. And it can be as banal as outside in, top down, or bottom up, all inclusive. But there are actually just different styles and approaches that work in clients. And we can be pretty agnostic and work across all of them. Um, so we're helping to shape that for the client. And actually, one of the questions that we're also asking them is, right, what what sort of resources are you bringing to bear on this project? Do you have a project team that you want to be fully dedicated? Are there certain experts you want us to engage with? Um, is it just uh, is it a, a more of a traditional steering committee approach? But we sort of say, how do you want to work with us? What's going to work for you? Um, one of the big differences we've seen in clients really over the past mostly 10 years is they're much, much more interested in making sure that the, the, we don't only solve the problem, but we build capability within the organization. And the best way to do that is actually to have some really dedicated people joining the team and working alongside. So they're learning a lot of skills and experience, but it also means that when, you know, time for us to leave, there are people in the organization who really know it and know why they're doing whatever it is in terms of the strategy operational improvement. Um, so, so we define that, and then I think we're kind of coming back to the ranch and saying, right, you know, this is this is the issue. This is the, um, how we're going to approach it and structure the team. This is what the client is bringing to bear in terms of um, resources and, and view of how they want to work. So then, what do we need to do to complete that picture? Um, and it is almost a sense of what is complementary to that. Uh, and I often think, well, what is the right project lead in terms of skills and experience to do that? And if that's the project lead, then who do you need to be the project manager? And what sort of associates or consultants do you need? And is it heavily analytical? Is it more about facilitating change? Um, is it about uh, making sure there's a sector expertise on one level with the team, but a functional one on another? So I would say that the people that this suits really, really well is love the idea that there's a bit of a puzzle that you're crafting every time and, and reshaping it so it's just a perfect fit for what the client needs then. Uh, and that's what... Um, our internal consulting team is that's their expertise. They just know the people in our pool incredibly well. Um, and it's not just about uh, experience base, but the sort of person they are and the sort of client that they're going to do exceptionally well with and what's going to really make them excited and play to their strengths. Uh, and that's all part that the part of the crafting we have to do. And see, I, I think that's one of the the two fascinating things about the model to me is one that sort of that that bespoke consulting team. You know, in a traditional model, I mean, McKinsey and BCG and Bain do some great work, but there's there's a limiting factor in that everybody is full time, and there's sort of the consultants of, available to and, you. And, and I know you know at a time way. for a long time and. Yeah, yeah, and trained in the same, but usually at the same school. And um, th there was this idea, you know, that we are, I, I remember early in sort of McKinsey's history, or maybe mid-history of McKinsey, there was this idea that we are, we're all sort of generalists with a little bit of specialty, but we're general, we're, we're good yeah. at everything, and therefore you don't have to worry about who we are. And it's like, okay, well, that's, that's great, but wouldn't it be better if you could get exactly the people who are, really have a depth of knowledge in the, the, the challenge that we're asking to solve, but also are a personality fit and a cultural fit and all of these different things to work with the team internally. That sort of, I don't know if you've ever used the term bespoke consulting, but that's really kind of what it is, right? Custom tailored yeah, to no, that kind is. of situation. You can um, steal that too, by the way. No, actually we already have. <laughs> oh, all right. Perfect. Maybe I stole it from you. Did I steal it from you? No, but and actually all of the consulting firms, I think Bain was the last holdout, but they've all abandoned the generalist model because I think clients are so much more sophisticated than they used to be. And your clients are stuffed full of former 
principals and partners of these consulting firms and you know they really really want someone who's going to challenge them and have a depth of expertise and I think the generalist model in really big mature markets just isn't sufficient anymore so everyone has really gone to sector model um, but even within that I think our model one of the things that we're saying what clients really value is that all of our consultants are actually just much more experienced I mean think often if we're comparing teams they've got twice as many years of experience and they've got both consulting and nine roles usually in that sector and having dealt with that issue and it doesn't make them enormously compelling um, and it's just the fact that every single person on that team is there for a reason and they've got directly relevant experience um, and what we don't have which is more of a traditional firm model is clearly putting a lot of juniors on it where you're getting a, a huge amount of apprenticeship but the clients often saying why am I paying for your learning curve <laughs> we don't do that right exactly and and even even inside a specialist model, there's still sort of a capacity problem, right? So you you may not be getting the perfect specialist for your situation because that specialist was already working on a project kind of a while, a while back, and we've only got sort of one. Whereas if you have this pool and this network of people, and there's a lot of different people that are the are a great fit, you can kind of you can overcome the capacity problem. Yeah, and I think that it, we're quite flexible in terms of building and and that that capacity. We're clearly not not limited to buy who's on the beach and who do we need to staff we can sort of say right for this problem and this issue what's the best possible team we can put forward um, and I think also in the independent consulting model what we found this is interesting going back to the financial crisis literally overnight you know anything about innovation and growth strategy stopped and the next morning it was all about you know uh, cost containment performance improvement really getting money out in, in any possible way um, and it was very easy for us to sort of shift the focus of the work and also about the recruitment of the consultants that we work with to people who were just great at that and they'd probably been through a couple of cycles of um, economic downturns they really knew how to do it and in a way we weren't limited to who had we hired over the past couple of years yeah no absolutely absolutely and I think it's a I mean there's I remember there's a wonderful article by Roger Martin about this sort of um, Organizing, he, he talks mainly to traditional organizations, organizing around projects and how that sort of creates a resiliency when things like the financial crisis happen. The interesting thing from a consulting standpoint is there's also a resiliency of specialty because like you said, overnight it sort of changed and we needed to have flexibility and the network kind of provided that, which I think is wonderful. The, the other reason I'm so fascinated with the network model is um, – is for a, a totally kind of other reason. It's about the actual ability to sort of tap into the ingenuity and the creativity of the people who are in there. Because these are, unlike that sort of senior consultant, junior associates model, these are usually the teams are not people who have been working together on the same team, just rotating around at different companies for several years. They're custom, if they're custom tailored to that sort of client project, there's this interesting mix of people who may have worked together before on a team, may not have ever worked together before. And so there's this wonderful mix of sort of process and fresh ideas that happens. Hmm. And I think, I mean, to be honest, I think when I hark back to my McKinsey experience, I was often in completely new teams because you're reforming teams around a client and an issue. I might have worked out of the Brazil office or out of the U.S. office or in the German office. And so you were often thrown into clients and teams that you had never really worked together before, but you do at least have a, a solid sort of training and firm values and approach that you figured out how to gel quite quickly. Um, and I think that's one of the things that Eden McCallum has had to create is actually a way of getting people who might not have work together a lot before or come from the same firm and actually how to get them to gel and work together quickly. And um, I think somebody once said that's part of our special sauce, <laughs> knowing how to do it. 
Um, a lot of the secret actually is in about the selection of the consultants we work with, and it's actually people who are focused on getting a great answer for the client, and if that's the guiding principle, we'll then leverage all the knowledge and skills of the team to do that. Um, and that's a hugely, hugely important part of it for us. Um, but it is the fact that you could have people with, you know, either different methodological backgrounds or people who had, you know, more or less line roles in similar industries. And there's a bit at the beginning of every project, almost everyone is sort of dumping all they have to bring the bear to this on the table. And then they were thinking, okay, right, how do we shape this to make a great sort of uh, project and solution for the client? And it's not limited to one person's training or one firm's methodology or anything like that. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think, like you said, your McKinsey experience, you know, you may be on a team of brand new people you've never met before, but everybody's sort of had the same training, Absolutely, same methodology, same training. et cetera. Yeah. So I, I love that idea of a, of a diverse set of methodologies and experiences, et cetera, but then some some element of core that kind of keeps it together. And and that's an interesting thing about, like you said, a challenge. I'm, I'm interested in how you overcame that that challenge or how you created that sort of secret sauce that you have this pool of, of consultants who are technically freelancers, but they don't feel on their own. They still do sort of feel that loyalty to the firm. How do you how do you build that camaraderie in a network model? Yeah, yeah. And I would. I'm, I'm actually hearing my husband's voice in this because he's not from management consulting background, and, and he would say that management consultants are actually just kind of weird people, um, because one, they are not people who get a great sense of belonging from maybe hierarchies and structures. They get a great sense of belonging from engaging and solving a problem with people. Um, they're quite different beasts. Um, and I think that's a lot of it, which is actually saying, let's come together and it really excites people is actually how to solve this problem or this issue for a client. And they get a spark out of working with other really bright people who've got great ideas, who are equally committed and, and driven. And that actually is a huge part of that sort of bonding, informative experience. I would also say, given the pool that we're recruiting from, um, to people who are within firms like Bain and BCG McKinsey, they might see huge, huge differences. I think compared to the general population, it's very difficult to see a lot between them when it comes down to individuals. So, you know, within a, a, a concentrated world of you know, really top-tier strategy consulting, we're picking people who are probably the most collaborative and creative and want to work together in an interesting way. But they're all coming with amazing academic backgrounds, amazing consulting trainings, and just by nature, a, a love of cracking problems for clients and thinking this is such a cool, neat new way of doing it. Hmm. And I think there's also, if I remember right, there's also sort of some opportunities for all of those people who are really love kind of cracking that problem to share a bit of knowledge, et cetera. Even outside of just that team, there are sort of events and things that keep people getting to know the other people inside of the network and kind of, and, and you know, I, I'm, I have no argument uh, with your with your husband's opinion. It makes kind of sense, but at least we can get them uh, sort of together and we can, I always use the term on the podcast, I use the term, we can geek out together, right? Yeah. There's, the, there's the nerdy, geeky stuff we love talking about. And when yeah. we can do it together, there's a wonderful knowledge sharing opportunity that builds some of that camaraderie. Yeah. No, and we do that. And I think that's a huge part of Eden McCallum. It's, it's, you know, when we call it sort of, it's a networked business, it sounds as if we sort of sit centrally and are kind of, you know, sending things through the network. It is actually, I always say, equally an old-fashioned face-to-face relationship business. So we know our consultants incredibly well. We um, consciously have built offices where about half the office space is kind of, yes, for the core team working. Half of it is actually 
meeting rooms and think pods and such so both clients and consultants can all come and work here they really feel part of it um, we do offer we have events we have just you know drinks and social parties we also have content events or presenting work or our newest thinking on a topic um, and again consultants by nature love learning so any of these sort of knowledge shares they absolutely adore and they come together equally the, many of the consultants that we have been working with for so many years you know, they have been working with other consultants on multiple projects. So they love coming together and seeing them again. They might not have worked for the past year. They might have worked on different clients and they come together again and serve the same client again. So I think consultants are used to that sort of project level of working and the fact that they can kind of go off and do things and then reconvene here is, is a really important part of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You And, and you, hit the, you hit the nail on the head for me and one of the reasons I was so compelled to write about the firm in Underdue Management is, is that project, right? I think, I mean, management consulting lends itself to that sort of project-based work, but I think that's where most work is headed as we mm-hmm. shift more and more to sort of knowledge work. I think the smarter firms are organizing around those projects. I think that's sort of the future of work. And it, and it leads me to actually sort of an interesting question about, if you're okay sharing this, about what the future you see of Eden McCallum is and where sort of you're headed. I know we're in, we're in London, Amsterdam, and Zurich. Um, there, there was talk at one point about possibly a North American uh, Oh, yes, uh, New York we'll, is on the we'll map. We'll see, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So 15 years from now, you think you can predict where it's headed? Well, I think in terms of, I think, well, I think in each of the existing offices, we continue to grow. Uh, this is a model that does incredibly well in mature consulting markets because you have both very sophisticated clients who are often, as I say, partners and principals from the top firms who really embrace a different way of engaging with consultants and want a different model that they think is, you know, much more based from money and gives them much more sort of expertise and experience kind of on the ground working with them. They value that a lot. Um, so we continue to go in current offices. You add new sectors. So any business sector that is highly consulted to has created both the clients and as well as the base of freelance consultants to deliver the work. That makes sense. Um, and then I think outside Europe, you look at what is the, the, the biggest and most mature consulting market in the world, and that's clearly in the U.S. Um, so that is definitely our next step. We've examined many cities and actually have zeroed in on New York, and that is absolutely the plan is to open an office there. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to that because it'll be a little bit easier to go to that office opening party <laughs> than, uh, than, than Zurich You'll or any of the You'll definitely get an invitation. Ones. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, that one That one I can get on a plane and get back for. Um, you know, the rest, Yeah. So I wonder if we can shift a bit from the firm and talking about all of those things. And, and actually, we ask all of the guests on the podcast five questions. So these are five questions specifically to you. Your, your answers do maybe do not necessarily represent the opinions of the firm, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so here's the first question. What's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, my goodness. I've had so much advice over the years. And I suppose maybe coming from consulting, one is often getting ideas and seeking out ideas. Um, I suppose in terms of building a firm or even a career, probably the single most best advice I've gotten is one that says, pick your battles. Hmm. Hmm. Which is, it is kind of like decide where you're really going to focus your resources and energy and what really, really matters and go for that. Yeah. Don't try to do everything or solve everything or be everything. You know, what's, what's funny is, is whether building a company or uh, even just parenting my two boys, I think that's brilliant advice. Pick your battles and decide what you're going to focus on. 
<laughs> I love it. Um, second question, what's an average day look like for you? Uh, okay, starting early morning, I wake up and there's three children who have to go off to all the English equivalent of high school. So they get out the door. I always joke that um, they get dressed, fed, and they get to school with all their books in order, and I get dressed and out the door. <laughs> so then the typical day ends up being out, run to Starbucks downstairs to grab a, grab a coffee and come up to the office. Um, the days can vary between uh, having multiple kind of client meetings, either discussing a new project or opportunity, um, working with an existing team on a, uh, a project and maybe a review is coming up or needing to help them crack an element of that. Um, part of the job here, which is quite even more different than when I was at McKinsey, is actually interviewing particularly the senior consultants, some of the partners and stuff who would lead our work. Um, there's, as Eden McCallum itself grows, we're always recruiting in particularly associate partners and partners to join the in-house team. Um, so we've had some fantastic people join over the past year, so involved in interviewing uh, those people. Uh, and I said it's just the general running of a firm occasionally. Uh, there, are, there are issues around IT and finance and HR that one has to be involved in. Um, but most of it is actually pretty externally focused. It's kind of mostly about uh, the clients and, and the consultants in terms of growing and what we do. Hmm. And, and of course, you know, making time for podcast interviews and those sort of things. Exactly. Although this might be a happy... I, I, I call this growing the firm. I, I lo- well, there's also, in fact, it's my special subject. I love talking about the firm, so I'm always happy to make time for that. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Um, what are you reading right now? Uh, let me see. Actually, I just finished a book, which I adored, uh, All the Light You Cannot See, which actually just came out in England, but probably it's all over the U.S. already, about the occupation of St. Malo in the Second World War. So I do tend to, I don't, oh, this is terrible to say to a business school professor, I don't tend to read a lot of business books. Um, I feel like most of my working life and consulting is focused on business and business topics. So I love just fantastic fiction and beautiful writing. Oh, no, I, I totally understand that. And, and as a business professor, I actually find it fascinating that uh, that's a pretty common answer from a lot of people we interview for the podcast. Now, as a business book author, it makes me terribly sad. But <laughs> as a professor, it's it's an answer I've actually come to sort of appreciate. I think, I think even the people that read a, a wealth of business books usually also have to work something else in there, A, to keep sane, but B, I just think it's important to cultivate ideas from a variety of different sources. So I love it. Well, and that's it. It's actually it's to cultivate ideas. And I suppose um, one of the weirdnesses of consultants, I'd say, is that we tend to be ruthlessly logical. Um, and I always say very, usually very fast, linear, logical thinkers. And actually, I think it's really important to consult, cultivate, sorry, cultivate the part of the brain that's maybe more creative and focused on, say, beautiful writing or something that's just not what's asked for day to day. Yeah, no, I totally agree. What do you believe that most people don't? I suppose within the world of consulting, and it's kind of in that, that context, I suppose one of the things that surprised me uh, earlier on setting up the business, um, and I think this goes back to the point that most consultants, and when you see all the knowledge development and the PR and the writing about consulting, it all plays to um, the ruthlessly logical problem-solving side of the brain, and that's a, it's a very comfortable sphere for consultants to operate in. And what I find fascinating over the years is that although consultants are brilliant at justifying many, many, many things in terms of the ruthlessly logical, actually in terms of really working and connecting with clients or with consultants, 
it's actually that personal connection matters enormously. And I think most people are afraid to, to, to realize that or access that. And I actually think um, maybe in professional services, people should be much, much more confident about realizing, you know, we all have a choice of who we want to work with. And actually the person matters enormously. Um, and to not to be afraid to show that and actually also have the confidence to show that in yourself. I think that's, I think that may be the best advice I've ever received. So well done there. Um, so the last question, the, the name of the podcast is Radio Free Leader. In your opinion, what makes someone a leader? Um, I suppose, one, there's a conviction to do something different or right or set off in their own path. But I think equally important is to bring people along with them. So I always think there's no point leading if nobody follows, but there's kind of no point following if nobody's leading. So to be a great leader, you have to really do both. You have to both kind of find a path and have a belief. And I think we've always had a blind belief in this business, but also the ability to get other people excited about and take on the journey. And then it just makes it an awful lot more fun. Hmm. I No, I, I agree. There's that weird tension between differentiation and actually sort of cultivating followers. You have to, you have to find people who want to go somewhere they're not already, which is, it's a whole lot easier to just, yell towards people who already believe something and already are at a place they're happy with and sort of just be a loud voice in that. It's a whole lot harder to lead them to somewhere new into uncharted territory. So, which is what I see when I look at the past sort of 15 years of the firm and creating this amazing model that, you know, it, it's brilliant now in 2000. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how easy it was to recruit people to the brilliance of that new model, right? So, well done there. You have definitely proven yourself as a leader in that capacity and, and built a firm that I I, I love to geek out talking about just like you. So uh, it's one of the reasons we wrote about it at Under the Management. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about it today. It's been really, uh, really exciting. So Well, thank you. And it's, it's always a delight for me to, well, as I said, talk about the firm, but also to, to talk to somebody who has an interesting perspective on it and sort of makes me think about some things from a different angle. So I appreciate that. It's also very interesting for me. Oh, no, you're quite welcome. So Leanne Eden, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Free Leader. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it very much.